welcome back to the Locked On Diamondback Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? Miller Thomas, the always wonderful and might I add handsome host of this podcast. Multimedia journalist and graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 dot myportfolio.com on there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show we are talking about a, a few different things i want to talk about the most likely diamondback to be traded at the deadline i have an update on merrill kelly and i also uh i saw this bleacher report article talking about the best trade assets in all of baseball. It's ringing the top 50 most valuable trade assets in baseball. So I'll talk about that. And then finally, I'll end it off with a little rant with, you know, everything going on in sports today, all the protests, all the boycotting. And I'll just get into a little talk about that later in the pod. We'll cap it off with that. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's get into first. Let's talk about that Merrill Kelly update. And Mike Hazen was telling the athletic GM of the of the Arizona Dimebacks. He was telling the athletic that he thinks Merrill Kelly's season could be over. Now, we thought it was just a nerve impingement issue with Merrill Kelly, but apparently that's not the case. I I believe he went under some sort of blood clot, a blood clot procedure. Now, I'm not going to act sit here and act like I'm a medical expert or anything, but I do know when uh, bringing it to basketball a couple years ago, you know, a few years ago, Chris Bosh had blood clots. He had to retire last year. Brandon Ingram had blood clots and he had to cut the season short. So blood clots are a pretty serious issue. And I feel like I've been hearing them more recently uh, with sports figures. I don't know why that is, but it's a pretty serious issue. So it looks like Merrill Kelly will be missing the rest of 2020. Just more doomsday, uh, you know, uh, just more doomsday hearings for this D-backs team. And Merrill Kelly has been so good this year. It's definitely going to be a season that just gets looked over for how bad this D-backs team has been. And just for, it's going to be looked over because he's also not a guy who's a big name. I mean, Merrill Kelly on the season, he has 31 innings pitched. He has a 2-5-9 ERA, only nine earned runs. But he's not going to be a guy that people remember, you know, during a, a pandemic-shortened season for having that great stretch where he pitched an amazing five games. It, it just won't be remembered, which is the sad thing, because Merrill Kelly was really phenomenal this year, and he was really a guy who you could, you know, put in that Cy Young kind of argument based on how he's pitching this season. So it's really disappointing that you won't see more Merrill Kelly. He was really one of the only chances, one of the only players uh, I had uh, any confidence in for getting this team out of this hole. So definitely a big blow to the D-back. So now we look at as we look at the guys I mentioned yesterday. It's going to be Alex Young or Taylor Clark. And right now with Bumgarner also out, they're both going to be in the starting rotation. The real question is when Bumgarner comes back, which is supposed to be pretty soon, uh, who's going to step in for Merrill Kelly? Is it going to be Alex Young? Is it going to be Taylor Clark? I think it will be Alex Young. He's 
He he's been the the guy first off the bench to be a spot starter. He was a little bit better last year than a Taylor Clark as well. So I think he will be the the starter for the rest of the season. And we'll see how he does. It's hard to replicate what Merrill Kelly did on the year, but you just gotta hope he could put his best foot forward and help get this D-backs team out of this rut. Now, with that being said, now with the you know doomsday lurking for the D-backs, as it seems with the deadline approaching. Uh, it seems like this D-backs team should not be buyers at the trade deadline. I know what Derek Hall said a couple weeks ago. I know the D-backs are coming off a pretty good stretch of games where they look like they had a chance to be, you know, pretty pretty good this season still. I mean, they after starting off slow, they had that little stretch of games where they actually made us believe that they could still make the postseason after holding on to that second wildcard spot. But now you're you're wondering whether this team can even get out the basement of the NL West again. And right now, I mean, it's still a season, you know, even though we're halfway through, the D-backs are still only three and a half back, so they're still in it. But right now, I don't think they should be buyers at the deadline. I would be sellers. I like your starting lineup. I would retool this. Uh, pitching staff, you know, rotation bullpen. Jake Lamb is on a one-year deal. Maybe I move him, but really, the most likely trade candidate, I think, for the D-backs, and this was written by Bleach Report article, and I agree with him, written by Jacob Schaefer. He did the most likely guy to be traded on every major league baseball team, and I agree with who he has for the D-backs. Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is a guy who, if you're a team that needs starting pitching depth, you know, he can go out there and he can give you of five to six earned runs in four innings. <laughs> That's a joke, of course, but he's leading the league with an MLB worst, 25 walks in 27 innings. His ear raise atrocious above an A, and he has not looked good this year. Now, he's set to hit free agency at the end of the season. He's still only 28 years old. He still has pretty insane strikeout numbers, so I wouldn't be surprised if a team was like, wow, Look at Robbie Ray, you know, back in 2017. Why can't we get him back to that place? Why can't we be the team where, you know, Robbie Ray rediscovers himself and has this resurgence? Sometimes you see with players, they just need a chain of scenery. And I really don't think that's true with Robbie Ray. I've seen enough Robbie Ray this year. I've seen enough Robbie Ray these past couple of years for me to think uh, this is who Robbie Ray is. I, I think the decline we've seen from him consistently the last few years is just all the info we need to know what kind of pitcher Robbie Ray is. I think this D-backs team will get better if they trade him, even if they trade him for some middling prospects. I think it will be addition by subtraction just because Tori Lavelle will be finally forced to put someone else in this rotation. I mean, Robbie Ray on the year has not been good on the uh, at all. I don't have to get into his numbers, but... Uh, at least his specific numbers, but when you look at Robbie Ray's game log on the season, he really only has one start where you're like, okay, that was a solid start. He only has one start on the year where he gave up less than three earned runs, and that other start we gave up three earned runs was in three and two-third innings pitch where he had 97 pitches thrown and, you know, three walks. So even in that start, he still threw a lot of pitches. He didn't go very deep into the ball game, and he still gave up a home run. And then the other start he had where he gave up only one earned run, which is probably his best start of the season because he went five innings, he still had six walks and threw 95 pitches. And then every other Robbie Ray start, five earned runs, six earned runs, six earned runs, four earned runs. He has not been good this year. He has yet to even see uh, 
or, or finish, you know, uh, uh, get a batter out, I should say, in the sixth inning. He has yet to complete an out in the sixth inning. He's only made it through five uh, innings on the season. He has yet to make a start where he's got that out, as I said, in the sixth inning. And that is just atrocious. When you lead the league in walks, when you are among the league leaders in home runs with nine allowed, you, you're getting shelled. On the on the bases, you're giving up earned runs. You're putting guys on bases. It has been a good year for Robbie Ray. So I don't know why anyone would actually want him, but I do think he's the most likely guy to be traded at this trade deadline for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, I'll get into more about the D-backs talk. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about who on this D-backs staff, uh, on this team, is the best trade asset in all of baseball, which one of these D-backs players is. You guys could probably guess that already. And I'll get into, you know, talking about the protests and the boycotts at the end of this podcast as well. But first... All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it, and let's discuss who is the best trade candidate. Well, not at the deadline, but the most valuable trade asset, I should say, because Zachary Reimer did the top 50 most valuable trade assets in baseball. I'm not going to run through all 50, but I'll start where you see the first D-backs. There are two D-backs who make this top 50, and I'll give you one of them because you could probably easily guess who that is. Ketel Marte. I don't think you guys, uh, I think you guys could have guessed that one. He's a young stud. He's an MVP candidate, and he's on a controllable contract, so that one is no surprise. But the other guy, the first guy on this list clocking in at number 30 is Zach Gallen, and that is that, that surprised me a little bit. I'm on Zach Gallen's bandwagon. I know how good he is, but I didn't think, you know, the rest of the baseball media and world recognize how good Zach Gallon has been. And he's on this list at number 30. And when you look at some of the guys he's right here with, they have Aaron Nola of the of the Phillies at 29, Jacob DeGrom at 28. I didn't even realize Jacob DeGrom is going to be 33 in 2021. I didn't know he was that old, but that's some good company to be in if you're Zach Gallon. 26 at Vlad Guerrero Jr., who everyone loves. And some guys are Zach Gallon's ahead of his Shohei Atani, Austin Meadows, uh, Roman Laureano of the Oakland A's, Blake Snell. So there are definitely some studs behind Zach Gallon. So I love that he's getting the respect and other guys are realizing how good Zach Gallon is. And it's not just me on this podcast, you know, every other day, just beating the drums for how dominant Zach Gallon has been this season. It's finally starting to be recognized by the national media. And then the other guy on this list, as I mentioned, is no surprise. It is Ketel Marte. Now, I would say the surprising thing is how high Ketel Marte is and who he's above. Ketel Marte is number 10 on this list, and it's because he has that MVP caliber potential, and he's a guy who's on a cheap con- on a cheap contract for the foreseeable future. And if you look at some of the guys who he's ahead of right now, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, just to name a few, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Jack Flaherty. So there are some st- Duds, some absolutely 
superstars behind Ketel Marte, but he's also, you know, Ketel Marte is behind some studs as well, a Shane Bieber, a Cody Bellinger, Yoan Moncada, and I think he should be ahead of a Yoan Moncada. I feel like Moncada at number six is pretty high. A lot of his advanced numbers will tell you he's a little bit of a fluky player, but Ketel Marte at number 10 is a lot of respect for him. I like him at that spot, and then I love I love Zach Gallon at number 30. He is finally getting uh, some respect as well. So I love to see two D-backs in the top 30 because that is just uh, that is just phenomenal for this franchise and this fan base. It's always nice when you can see your favorite players being respected like superstars. You know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys listening are huge Devin Booker fans. If you guys are, you know, Arizona fans across the board, I'm sure you guys are huge Booker fans and it's sad to not hear Booker get a lot of the recognition you feel like he deserves you know a lot of guys uh, me included feel like Devin Booker is better than a guy like Donovan Mitchell but he's not going to get the acclaim like Mitchell because he doesn't have the the track record of winning like a Donovan Mitchell and for this D-backs team right now guys like Ketel Martin Zach Allen are not going to get their respect like a Devin Booker does but they are actually. They are getting their respect from a guy like Zachary Reimer or Bleacher Report, and I like that a lot. I like seeing my favorite players get respected by the national media. It's just something about that that feels validating when your favorite players are being validated by, you know, random strangers. Now, before this podcast ends, I do want to talk about the state of the country again, where where we are right now, because as you look to the NBA, you see all these teams, you know, boycotting and protesting today's games because of that awful shooting that happened in Wisconsin, where you saw uh, a young black man get gunned down by police officers. And I just want to say that I like what the NBA is doing. I think they are standing for something they believe in. I think it is a powerful message for all the spark, uh, all the all the games across the board in the NBA, especially because it's playoffs that they are all sacrificing these games. And you know, you don't get a lot of these moments as an athlete, especially playoff moments. You only have so many cracks at the apple, and to see you know these. Uh, these NBA players step up to the plate and say these racial injustices that are going on in the country are are more important to us than actually playing these games and just earning a paycheck. That I think that message really says a lot. And I was a little disappointed by a lot of these MLB teams because they didn't take the same approach as the NBA. The NBA set the precedent for the MLB to just follow along, follow their lead. I would have loved to see the D-backs, you know, not play tonight's game, you know. I would have loved to see the Rockies and D-backs call off tonight's game in support and in solidarity with the with what the NBA is doing. I thought that's what they were going to do. We saw Matt Kemp of the Colorado Rockies, you know, in protest say he's not playing today. And uh, that's just something I really respect right now. I think it just... Something that we all just have to galvanize around, you know. I think right now in this country, it's a movement where we see what's going on in this world. We see what's going on in this country. Social media, you know, it has its goods and it has its bads. It has its positives and negatives, but allows us to see so much more. Maybe it doesn't always give us the context, but allows us to at least visualize everything. And now we're able to share and, and, and spread our messages so much quicker. So we all saw what happened to Jacob Blake. We all saw how horrific that was and that is just not something that should be going on so this long in our country we saw Bill Russell 50 years ago boycott the, the last time an NBA game was boycotted was because of Bill Russell 50 years ago 
for the exact same reasons, for racial injustice and racism in this country. And we are still fighting that battle today. Just think about that. Think about why. Think about we're still boycotting. We're still fighting the same uphill battle that we've been fighting for the last few decades, that we've been fighting for the last couple hundreds of years. And has it gone better? Has there been progress made? Yes. Are we there yet? Are we at the place where we can say this country is racist-free, where we're at the place where we do all see each other as equal? No, we're not. We're still, a lot of people are still in that old mindset of being back to from segregation days and even before that. There's still people with that mindset who still perpetuate those ideologies and those uh, ideas onto you know their children and just their friends and their society as a whole. There's still people who have those beliefs and you know racist ideologies today, and that and even if that is a dwindling number, it is not going to be solved until it's all gone away. And I don't know if you know you could ever expel racism completely, but I think we should all at least attempt to in our efforts by our words and not just by our words, but also by our actions. I think we actually need real reform in this country we need to see real action and we can't just keep talking about what we should be doing on social media keep you know wearing black lives matters t-shirts even though that is a nice gesture we need to see real action and we need to be doing real things to help better the cause because you know posting something on twitter you know walking down the street with a sign up is only going to do so much going out there and voting going out there and actually participating in your commuting community and doing Things that could position yourself to actually make real decisions that could affect, you know, your community as a whole. That's what you really have to do. It starts with real reform and not just keep doing messages and simple gestures. You actually have to take action. I think that's where we're at the point right now. I, I think the burden of all these past generations have just been accumulating and it's just all materializing right now into this generation. And I think this generation right now that we see before us, a lot of these guys are in their mid-20s and they're ready to make a difference. Women in their mid-20s, they're ready to make a difference. It's, it's really a youth movement and it's because we don't want to see this anymore. I'm a guy who's only 22 years old and I don't want to have to be fighting this uphill battle when I'm having my own set of kids and when I'm trying to teach them and get them ready for society. I don't have to be going through the same issues my grandpa's uh, grandparents went through and my grandparents, for that matter, went through. So this is something that is still an ongoing issue in society. I love what the NBA has done. I wish MLB teams had stepped up more. I wish we saw more boycotting of games today from the MLB. I wish the D-backs Rockies game was boycotted today. But right now, it's about it's about action. We can't just keep doing messages. It's time for action, and it's time for real reform.